this is Brian Patton from As the Story Grows, and you're listening to Discography Discussion. You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 103, Me Without You, featuring Brian Patton of As the Story Grows. And if you think Catch for Us the Foxes is a documentary about beagles, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. (laughs) I am Joe. That is Dan. I broke him, apparently. (laughs) Oh, what else did I have to say? Oh, yeah. That is Jeff. Yes. Brian Patton is here from As the Story Grows. Hey, thanks for having me. Trigger the sound effect of the applause. <laughs> you need to get a soundboard, Joe, every time, you know, we just hit a applause. I have one. It features Matt Nas currently. You need a soundboard of me. All the stuff you've edited out that I say. It would be one button and it would be a beep. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, tonight we uh, we brought Brian on the podcast to talk about one of my favorite bands one of many uh which is me without you and uh i know it doesn't normally fit into our format of metal but uh you know the people have spoken and they have expressed interest in us talking about bands that are not beat you over the head with a tire iron every single album every single song what uh, what's wrong with these people Oh, whatever, man. We, we did The Offspring a couple of months ago. We, we've and done, I wasn't there for that we, on, for a reason. Yeah, we've done bands that, <laughs> that are not really in the metal world. But uh, with Me Without You, it was somewhat special because it just helps me complete my goal of covering every single tooth and nail solid state associated band. And uh, so they, they definitely fit in the pocket. Uh, as we were talking about in the Norma Jean episode, where we were talking about Memphis shall be laid to waste, we were talking about me without you and Aaron a little bit on that episode. And uh, you know, I think that uh, I think it's appropriate to cover this band. And uh, we couldn't have thought of anybody better than Brian to come on and and give his uh, two cents on their discography. My goal is to make things less metal. So thank you for this episode. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> we're watering down. No, we're not watering down. We're diversifying. There you go. Well, before we start talking about the ending of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. You know, we love five-star reviews if we can get them. We definitely want reviews that tell us how you feel. If you're critical of our podcast, let us know. We'll do whatever we can to not have you be critical. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we have been getting reviews, and I actually want to read one for you guys right now if we have time. This is a five-star review we got from Dodger Fan 428 This is on Apple Podcasts. He goes, found this show last summer and recently became a patron of it. Thank you very much. I love the fact that I can finally have a podcast that goes over the entire discography of my favorite bands. I disagree with opinions said pretty much on every episode, but I love it nonetheless. Keep it up, guys. Man, talk about brainwashing. Yeah, I know. You're paying <laughs> you're paying us to piss you off. That's, that's I mean, amazing. That sort of thing. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I disagree with you guys, but still five star review. So and that's why we love you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, keep it up. Thank you for joining our Patreon. You have no idea how much that helps. <laughs> and uh, we want more of those reviews. And like I said, we will eventually cover an embarrassing band if we get enough reviews on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. So keep it up. Let us know. You can always reach out to us. Let us know how you feel. And now Brian is going to tell us all about As the Story Grows. Yeah, so um, I took over As the Story Grows from uh, Travis Turner. Everything metal, hardcore, indie rock, emo, we'll, we'll talk to them. Uh, yeah, it's just been fun uh, getting to uh, talk to musicians and realizing they're just cool, normal guys like the rest of us. So it's been great. Yeah, that's probably been my favorite part as far as interviews are concerned as well. It's just like, yeah, they're just people. And it's great yeah. whenever you get to actually have a just a normal conversation instead of like worshiping at the altar of whoever band they play with. That's yeah. great. Yeah, and I guess with like uh, with bands that are more you know on the indie side of things, you know, be it hardcore or metal or, or emo or whatever, like I feel like a lot of those musicians are a little bit more willing to be more honest and real because they're not the type that have bought into their own hype. And that's what I enjoy the most about about listening to those interviews is just that they're so much more like in depth and a little bit more like eye opening as far as how things really go uh, in their music scenes, whether it be like a Christian music scene or you know just the punk rock scene in general. Um, I think that's what I what I take away the most from the show and the interviews is just that like you get a really clear view of if you're a musician and you're starting a band or whatever. These are some things you might actually have to watch out for. Yeah, yeah, no, we have an episode coming up uh, with Jeff from Unashamed, and he talks about the uh, the old school tooth and nail hardcore scene and getting started. And uh, it was just pretty crazy to hear some of his stories. So it'll be a, it'll be a good one for people in a few weeks. Yeah, we'll share that whenever it posts, so you guys can all hear that. Unashamed is definitely one of my favorite bands from that era. So definitely looking forward to that. We got time for a couple comments, Dan. Absolutely, we got all the time in the world, man. That's right. It is an audio podcast, and I am the editor. There you go. <laughs> we got a tweet from TJ Weber in regards to the Norma Jean episode 100. Finally listening to the Norma Jean episode of Discography Discussion. Great work. Especially loved when you were dissecting Polar Similar. Took the words right out of my mouth. Well, you know, we have those words now, and they're ours now, and you can't have them back. We just, we just took them. We got a YouTube comment from Morgue Original Music. On episode 101, Kill Switch Engage, this one was, again, really interesting. I think he was binge-watching our show at this point. Kill Switch Engage was a band I never got hugely drawn in by, but know the singles, video songs pretty well. Great nostalgia on those tracks, just not all the albums all the way through. I was a little confused by the changing of Jesse and Howard. So glad to have that cleaned up. Totally Team Howard, by the way. So we got a Team Boo. Howard. Yeah. <laughs> Team Jesse all the way. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm not saying I agree either. I think they were both really good vocalists for that band. I think it's fine. Oh, yes. Way. Yeah, you could, you're you both good, but I got to have a little fun. So, Dan, tell me about Me Without You. Well, Me Without You was a band that I heard for the very first time on Norma Jean's Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child album. Now, I didn't hear the whole band. I just heard Aaron Weiss do a... Uh, do a vocal on Memphis shall be laid to waste. And as I said on the Norma Jean episode, I didn't know that that was a, a, a guest vocalist 
or something along those lines. I just thought it was part of the band's sound. Didn't really know anything else about it. But I found out probably a couple months later, they're like, no, the guy that did that guest vocal has his own band called Me Without You, and they do that all the time. And I was like, okay, well, here's my 10 bucks. Let's, uh, let's have a look. Let's, let's be see honest. What you got it wasn't, going on there. Let's be honest. It wasn't 10 bucks back then. It was probably like 16.95 or something at a Christian bookstore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, A to B life was, uh, very interesting because I was really deeply rooted in hardcore when it came out. And, um, I really didn't know what to make of this when it first came out. Yeah, it was quite the experience. The first time I heard Me Without You was live. They had just signed a Tooth and Nail, and they were, I don't remember if it was a one-off show or a tour, but it was Further Seems Forever, Narcissist, Dead oh, Poetic, man. and Me Without You opened up. And and they came out at the time, they wore these really far too tight suits and had flowers all over the stage. And it, my thought was, well, this is going to be some Beatles revival, weird hippie band. And then they just post-hardcore exploded flowers everywhere. And um, I was an instant fan because they were um, magnetic live. And then, yeah, A to B Life came out, and I I was in love with it. Yeah, it was... Uh, I'm on the other side of the uh, spoken word type music. I, I started out with uh, Say Anything. That was really my first exposure. And then Hearing Me Without You... Uh, it was uh, it was such even though they were supposed to because it seems like you're either in either one of the two camps it seems like with a lot of people I talked to because uh, they all came out at the because they both came out at about the same time in the early 2000s uh, it was uh, I felt like I was in trouble the whole time I was listening to <laughs> A to B life because I was like he's all he's doing is just yelling at me was, <laughs> 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 and I'm like okay well no the, the, the guy actually has things to say he's just uh He's just very forceful in his opinion. I'm like, kind of like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I, I did enjoy it, but it was, uh, it was, it was actually hard for me to get into their, their earlier stuff. It, 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 Dan keeps looking at me like, dude, seriously. And I'm like, yeah, it was, uh, especially since I'm a total metal nerd. And I'm like, he's like, you should like everything that they're yelling and screaming at you. And I'm like, oh, this one kind of freaked me out. What about you, Joe? When was the first time you heard me without you? It definitely was an AB life. It was brother, sister, catch for us the foxes territory. That obsession of January 1979, where he's doing his spoken word hardcore. That's how it was explained to me. I didn't dislike it at first. It just wasn't something I was normally listening to. The closest thing to this would have probably came from the 70s with some of those classic R&B spoken word artists. The only difference between that and this is... The music is more of the hippie Beatles style of rock than just straight R&B funk or straight R&B. That is interesting because like when I listen to A to B Life, like it definitely hits on, like reminds me of uh, like Cursive's early discography um, when they were more of that uh, hardcore, post-hardcore emo sound and then like Rites of Spring. Uh, definitely that vein of music that like late 80s DC scene and I actually hear a little bit of the Seattle grunge rock in some of it too um, not a lot but just like that was almost how they were hard uh, I'm trying to remember which song mm-hmm. it was uh, it's not bullet to binary but there was a song that was very um, 
very Nirvana to me. And I can't remember what is it. I think it's we know who our enemies are. The one where it starts off with like that that like weird surfer uh, riff. Oh yeah 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 yeah. That's, yeah. yeah that song is very um, reminded me a lot of like Nirvana like the Seattle sound and stuff. And it's just all really really weird for the year that it came out because I think it really would have been easy for me without you to show up as a post hardcore band because they very much are that. But some of the musical choices that they made on ADB Life are interesting to me because they, it's almost like they took the most non-conventional route to get too aggressive where it would have been really easy just to do like a Norma Jean or a, you know any hardcore band you know any more modern hardcore band so it makes me wonder what the influences were uh, going into that record yeah well I know uh, Mike Weiss the guitar player he said Fugazi is like his favorite band um, and you can hear that, especially in Catch Rest the Foxes and the guitar riffs. I hear a lot of Fugazi in that. Um, but I know when they started, they started Me Without You. Aaron was playing drums in uh, a band called The Operation. Um, and he he just wanted to be a front man. So they started Me Without You. And it's basically him learning to be a front man. <laughs> yeah, well, and I heard their uh, recently, actually, I heard their demo. The Blood Enough for Us All. No, it was, uh, maybe it was their first EP. I don't know if it was the first thing they ever recorded, but it was what got them signed to Tooth and Nail, which was uh, I Never Said I Was Brave. Yeah. And that's interesting because that is more hardcore. Like, he, he screams almost everything, and it sounds like a lot like an old Tooth and Nail hardcore band. Does that have four-word yeah. letter on it? Yeah, it has it the does, first yeah. four-word letter on that's it. That's yeah. the one I've heard then. Yeah, and it's really weird what the approach was because whenever you get to A to B live, it's much more streamlined. There's even in a demo EP before that called Blood Enough for Us All. That's way more just straight hardcore. Yeah, it's really weird that they would go from that super aggressive hardcore sound to A to B life, which, you know, there's a noticeable difference in Aaron's vocals where he's like, well, I'm just going to do. I guess it's saying spoken word doesn't really do it credit because it's definitely shouted word. Yeah, but it's not like hardcore screaming. At least not, not for the two thousands. It wouldn't be considered hardcore screaming. I mean, if you go back to like the early nineties or even the late eighties, it would definitely be in that vein. Uh, but for for when this record came out, it's it's kind of unusual that that he took that vocal approach. But I think it was the smartest thing that they could have done because there's only like maybe one or two other bands I can name off the top of my head that had a vocal approach like that. Yeah, I think at that time, the only other band I would think of would be like Blood Brothers. But uh, A to B Life, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about some of the lyrics because I was oh, in, yeah. I was an angsty teen uh, when this record came out. And so this record was very in vain, like in, in the same vein as what I was feeling from a lot of the other albums I was listening to. And th- some of the lyrics are so cutting that it just blows my mind that they even gotten on tooth and nail because they had that Christian label thing. And, uh, and I don't know if me without you was ever really a Christian rock band. Uh, like maybe they were at some point or that's how they started. But like to have lyrics, like, you know, uh, uh, like in gentlemen, which was the first song I heard, uh, where he's like, we were always inside. We were somewhere inside one another. It's like, you didn't hear that from tooth and nail bands. Uh, really, <laughs> It's, it's a stalker song, right? Like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, straight up stalker song. Well, I did hear on um, 
I never said that I was brave. Uh, Tooth and Nail made them change the lyrics. There's the lyric, uh, uh, I'll come on over and part your soft white curtains. And on, <laughs> on the on the EP, it's pink curtains, and Tooth and Nail's like, no, you have to change that. That's too sexual. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not so sure it's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a stalker song, because when I first heard Gentleman, I was like, is she really, does she even know who this dude is? You know, right. like that was the first thing I thought, like, oh man, this is like really creepy. But, you know, I was into it because like back then it was okay to write songs like that. Uh, it's, it's interesting how things have changed over time uh, just in the past, you know, decade. But what I found really fun about that album was like some of the relationship songs that he had, because this is the most like personal relationship album maybe next to catch rest of the foxes which had a lot of personal stuff in it too uh but this album was like the immature version of that so like he you know for like the cure for pain is in the pain where he's like you know in the piece you had she said i must confess i'm glad to see it go like this is definitely like a women are evil kind of album which again is just really <laughs> yeah. weird to hear on tooth and nail i mean it's not that like every band on tooth and nail was like playing worship music or anything but like this was very different than what i was expecting going into it and uh it definitely pleased me as a immature teen uh, but when i go back and listen to it now i'm like holy shit some of these lyrics are kind of <laughs> kind of creepy you ready to catch the foxes yeah i think so i think i've said everything i could say about adb life <laughs> 2004 catch for us the foxes one of the most epic albums ever created. Really? Going in hot, huh? I'm just going to go. Oh. Come right out and say it. All right. Let's hear why. Spoiler. Here's my final thought on me without you. <laughs> oh, shit. We're like 10 <laughs> If you in. took a okay. chaos pad, which is a MIDI controller designed to create chaos, it basically takes all the electronics that you would normally define, like on a piano, and just puts it on a flat surface that depending on where you point, it changes the sound. Me Without You is kind of like an experiment, like a band created by a mad scientist. What are the vocals going to sound like today? Are we going to go full-on scream yell? Are we going to do, you know, just classic Beatles singing? How's the music going to go? And you notice that going from the demo to AB Life, which I don't like that much, but I know it's a good album. You get to catch Rust the Foxes, we're straight into the rock groove and all the dynamics are in the vocals. He decides yeah. how intense the song is. Yeah, for it's, sure. un it's unusual for the vocalist to lead the band in that way. Cause like in my experience as a vocalist is like, I'm just so unimportant in the grand scheme of things. I have to like make myself relevant. Whereas I almost feel like these songs started with his lyrics and were written around them. Uh, which is weird because of how just like frantic his delivery is. But the weird thing about this record is that everything seemed a little bit more profound than it sounded on A to B Life. Like A to B Life was just like pure teenage angst, whereas now it's still kind of that, but it's refined in such a way that the lyrics are more metaphorical. They're a little bit less in your face about things and the music is much more smoothed out. It's not like jagged edge like it was on A to B Life or even the EPs and demos that came before that. I also want Claudio Sanchez to take notes. This is how you do a run-on sentence in a song like this. <laughs> the, the first time I heard Catch Rest the Foxes, it was a little underwhelming from A to B Life because it, 
it did not have that grab you and shake you around um but but like i said you can hear the the fugazi influence in the guitar riffs um and and yeah aaron's lyrics i mean they're different each album and he's progressing each album and I, this was like a major step from yeah just being a heartbroken teenager into um something more adult and poetic yeah and this was more of like the religious awakening like i hear a lot yeah. more references to to religion not just necessarily christianity though and i want to make that clear because that's a that's a that's a common theme with me without you is that there are aspects of all religions in a lot of their lyrics yeah i think it'd be safer to say that they're more spiritual than they're religious. a spiritual band um where they just try to incorporate as many different ideas as they can and that's really important on this album because it separates them from the pack as far as other bands that were on the label and in that scene where they're not just like out to be like oh we just record music and it's all really for jesus or whatever and i really hope that that check that the church wrote us clears you know like it's uh it's it's definitely a little bit more sincere yeah because there's there's perspective in it and i think that's like you said, it's it's a big reason on why it puts them apart. Is the uh, it makes people think, and I think that's actually one of the things that uh, when you have the spoken or yelled word, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, it makes you have to focus on the lyrics more, which is interesting, especially for somebody like me. I'm notorious on this podcast for totally ignoring what people say because I'm more about the feel than I am about the words itself. So this was, uh, truthfully, was a really hard discography for me to do just because I am one of those, like, I don't really give a shit what he's saying. It's more about how he's saying it. But he kind of forces you to listen to him on this yeah. one. <laughs> well, I, exactly. That's what I'm getting at. I mean, this, this is, uh, it makes somebody like me look at things from a different point of view. And uh, it actually... Uh, the more I got into this, uh, uh, delving back into it, because I, I don't, I hadn't regularly listened to me without you. I mean, it just you know it shows up here and there. Uh, but I, I really, uh, the more I listened to it outside of one particular album, the more I, I actually ended up enjoying myself. And a lot of times it's the opposite, where I'm listening to something and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I've heard this a million times already, and, and that's just this week. Because, you know, I'm doing my homework. Uh, and this one was, uh, as I went on, it became easier and easier. And normally that's not the case. Normally I'm burnt out by the end of the week. And uh, I was I was telling Dan at the beginning of this week that I was having some difficulties with their earlier albums. But as the week went on, it became much easier and much more enjoyable. And I actually was able to focus uh, quite a bit on the music after I gotten over uh, the spoken word word aspect of it, which for I me, think I told you, you that you were a huge piece of shit. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's really what it was. I was like, oh god, Dan hates me now. Well, at least it's only Tuesday. <laughs> I think this band is Dan's personality in a nutshell. Jeff thinks he's just going to go home and sit and listen to the feel of the album, and then as soon as he thinks he's comfortable, all you hear is, January! (laughs) (laughs) Pay attention to what I'm saying, because if you don't, I'm just going to make you listen to it. Well, Joe, I'm glad that you brought up January 1979, because 
that song is like to me the ultimate me without you song in this the is the that band that all the fans expect to hear every time they put an album out and they're going to take that away from us in a little bit but for now it's here and we love it well they take it away and they bring it back uh, a lot and i'm not just talking about february 1878 or whatever that comes later spoilers you fuck well you know <laughs> hey there's also a lot of songs about animals coming uh just so you know uh, but which starts on this song yeah absolutely because he's like the grasshopper king and yeah all kinds of weird shit and uh but i i love it and that's that's the thing about this record is that it's more toned down than adb life but i think it's absolutely more intense like you're not going to get it the first time you hear it but the way the lyrics hit there's a specific set of lyrics that stand out to me where he's just talking about essentially the inevitability of life and he's like he's like it's those he's like it's like those carnival games with the bottleneck and rubber ring and even if you win even then you don't win yeah <laughs> and uh that that lyric just hit me like a sack of bricks because that's that's how i feel that's kind of my outlook on life and it's it's dark but it's realistic and uh he just he summed it up in such a way that like nobody else really has been able to and uh you know as, as far as like the his he, he talks a lot about his relationship with god on this record especially towards the end and he does it in such a way that's just so honest and like bleeding um like at one point he even just stops and says and i'm expected to believe that any of this is real <laughs> and uh it just he goes in so many different directions with it and at the very end he caps it all off with like and i'm ready and, and jesus i'm ready for you to come back but if you want to stay uh wherever exactly it is you are that's okay too it's really none of my business <laughs> and uh like that stuff like that you, you just you don't hear that you definitely don't hear it in christian music where questioning of anything is shunned um and you definitely don't hear it outside of christian music because why not that many people outside of Christian music sing about Jesus. So they kind of hit the sweet spot of like, I was a teenager coming out of like youth group culture and listening to this and being like, no, I, I, I get it. And it, it, it again connected with me with where I was in life at that time. And like musically, yeah, it wasn't the hardcore that I was listening to. It wasn't like the metal I was listening to. It was just kind of this its own thing off on the side and it actually ended up impacting me emotionally more so than what I would get out of like a, a just a heavy band. Well yeah because those lyrics just like the closing lyric to the record is son of the widow you raised from the dead where did his soul go when he died again I mean just there's a weightiness to that line and that's how they close the album and it's like solid or not solid state but tooth and nail was cool with that like you know <laughs> um it's so funny but then again tooth and nail out to their credit has always been more about the artistic expression so much you know it's not like they were signed to some like really like hardcore christian label that was like if you don't say this you're out <laughs> you know or if you do say this you're out and uh so I think Tooth and Nail, you know, I, I remember listening to a uh, to another podcast that was talking about Me Without You, and they said that Brandon Ebel basically signed Me Without You as being his, like, cred band or his cool band. You know, like, hey, you know, yeah, I know I'm signing, like, stuff like Jeremy Camp or whatever over here, but I've got this other band, Me Without You, so 
just so you guys know, I'm still cool. You know, <laughs> like I still listen to, to, to cool, like indie influenced stuff. And uh, this record is important too, because in a lot of ways you can think of it as the first Me Without You album because of how drastically different it sounds for me to be live. Well, they change styles quite a bit. Well, they do change styles quite a bit, but I feel like this was kind of like the base blueprint. Gotcha. E- even the stuff that you're hearing from them now, while it's different than what you have on this album, they didn't deviate. Like, like they found their sound on this record, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Their groove? Yeah. yeah. I gotcha. All right, how about I give a little bit of cred to the producer, who's one of my favorite producers of all time. Ben. Bradwood. Bradwood. Fucking yep. love him, man. He might have he might have uh produced like my favorite album of all time. What's so. that? Oh god, every you guys gonna make me do it again? No, because I want to hear what they both are. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh Diary by Sunny Day Real Estate. Fucking love Sunny Day, man. That that album. It's great. It's uh it's that, not their best record, but that's a different discography discussion. <laughs> it was the most important one for me. You guys could do but that it, but by it, but yourself. It's, oh yeah. I, I'm down for that. A hundred percent. I'll I'll be back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm here to make everything email. That's so yeah, I no, I think what they're saying is I have to go on your podcast because they don't they're like they they don't want Sunny Day to be on here because it I was gonna suggest that Dan gets a time machine and we just move forward. <laughs> <laughs> Him with Sunday Day Real Estate, it's just like me with Zayo. Yeah, so Rising Tide's the best. That's my personal opinion, but I don't know. Better, how how's it feel to be everything on? I think how it feels is the best. I don't think Rising Tide gets enough love or credit, but it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. The uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to put some correlation between uh, Me Without You and uh, how it feels, because that was a religious awakening, essentially, for... Jeremy Enoch on that on that album. Who's on the next Me Without You album? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Is he singing about an orange spider? He's no, that's not. that's all Aaron. <laughs> all of it. 2006, brother sister. In my mind, I like to read this as brother sister. This is a weird record, and I can't say that I didn't love it the first time I heard it because I was so into Catch Rest the Foxes. And it seemed like at first that this record was following along in the same vein, but it kind of doesn't, right? Like, it's a little bit more like, like the lyrics are even weirder than they were before. And I'm starting to lose them a little bit in some of the metaphors. Like, I don't know where they're going. And this record is probably by far their most, like, religious-themed as far as how much he talks about God, how much he talks about... um, his own spiritual growth or lack of spiritual growth. But this record has a lot more like folky rock, like indie influences in it. And it starts feeling very like, like if my dad was listening to it, he would say it sounds really hippy dippy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, parents, we have amazing ways of putting things. Oh yeah. We're parents now. I forgot. Yeah. You forget that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not 19 anymore. Yeah. Oh God. No. Unfortunately, my kids way closer to that. This was more positive. I think because like, if you look at a to B life and you look at catch rest of the foxes, those albums are filled with pain. Like they're just, they're, they're, they're gut wrenching kind of visceral lyrical explorations of who Aaron Weiss is as a person. This is like, I'm going to give this God thing a chance. <laughs> and um, it, it's it's very profound when he's like 
trying to describe God, and he just says that like, yeah, it, like in really weird metaphors, like you know, uh, the fish swims in the sea, like the fish, or like the sea is in a certain sense contained within the fish. And he's like, what the writing of a thousand lifetimes could not explain, if all the forest trees were pens and all the oceans ink. And it's like really, it takes the lyrical ideas and concepts and throws them onto a whole different level. Because now it's not like, do I relate to this? Do I not relate to this? It's like, no, like you need to start thinking about things that are bigger than yourself. And I don't know if this is like um, a religious experience or a drug experience or, or what it is, but uh, it's, it's very profound. And it's really one of the things that kept me going with this record. How about drug induced? spiritual experience see i don't think it's drug induced though. <laughs> I, i'm just teasing because yeah. that's what you said i'm glad you mentioned that because i've heard it brought up before and i can't say that i've ever read heard or seen anything to indicate that i think the guy is just a big thinker with his words i mean which is keep, awesome keep in mind this is a band that ate trash <laughs> so there, there's that <coughs> That, that was a thing they were known for. Yeah. Uh, no, it's interesting to hear you say that because this is definitely my favorite Me Without You record. I think it's still probably my favorite. I think it still has the heaviness in a lot of the tracks. Um, and it's just that next evolution. Um, yeah, in a lot of ways, it has a, a sunny day feel to it. And um, I think it's still intense. I think there's still... Uh, yeah, his lyrics got more poetic and metaphorical and less uh, to a certain point, which I think is a theme he carried over. Uh, but I, I always really loved this record. I thought it was perfect. I love the way that the album, all of their albums, I think up until the most recent one, they all kind of flow and there's an intentionality with the the tracks where one goes into the next and it's not like this is the song break this it's like you're gonna listen to the album and it all flows together and i love that yeah i think it's a little a little bit of foreshadowing on your part and we agree with you with that yeah. last album so i mean I, I think we all will have something to say on that one when we get to it well yeah but this record was very i remember i was between jobs at the time pretty common theme for me apparently i've got a bad attitude at work but uh, the thing is, is that like, is this at the right before the store? No, this is uh, shit. This was like 2006, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so this was when I was like, I got out of high school in 04. Oh, okay. And so I was like between banking jobs. I was trying to find a new banking job, and so back I, when you were still a respectable individual. Yeah, yeah. So I would drive. Um, I would drive looking for jobs, like filling out applications, because back then you could still fill out paper applications <laughs> uh not for that long after that because a lot of people just were like no go online but I'd, I'd show up in a suit and tie or whatever but the whole time i was there i remember i was listening to norma jean's redeemer and i was listening to me without you brother sister and uh one of the one of the songs that really stood out to me um and i'm really horrible with track titles right now but it's the one where you go uh, it's the sun and the moon where he's like, you know, Daniel broke the king's decree. Peter stepped from the ship to sea. Uh, there's hope for Job, like a cut down tree. <laughs> I hope that there's such hope for me. And I remember being like, oh man, that's me. Because like, I really need, need a job. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, that, yeah, and again, like the song is so much more profound than like what I got out of it. Uh, but I definitely 
felt a positivity on this record that you really didn't get from the first two. Like the first two were hopeful sounding, but like this one was like really upbeat. Um, I liked kind of the more like indie folk influences in it. Um, a lot of use of the acoustic guitar and even, even Aaron's vocal delivery was changed a bit on this record where he started incorporating more like actual like singing into his stuff. And he, he's always said like, I'm never going to be a great singer. Like you're never going to listen to Aaron Weiss sing and be like, Oh my God, the vocal talents on that dude. Oh my God. I don't know what he's talking about. I do that every time. Well, he had said he had talked to the label and tooth and nail had paid for him to get vocal lessons to work on becoming a better singer. Yeah. It, well, it's funny too, because apparently it was recommended to him from the band. Like the label had said to the band, like, Hey, you know, do you think you get Aaron to sing more or, or sing better? And I remember he said that he was like kind of pissed off about that for a while because he's like, yeah, but I do something really unique that, that nobody else does. Why in the world do you want this or whatever? But then he, he did end up playing ball and, you know, took the vocal lessons and everything. And he ended up really enjoying, you know, what he came out with because Me Without You would not sound like they do today without that. And uh, he sounds he sounds incredible now for, for the style of music that they play. But uh, on this record, it was the first time you heard more Aaron singing. Yeah, it was like it was growing up a little. That's kind of what I, that was kind of like my feeling. My favorite song, I, I have to point it out, was O, o, o Porcupine. Oh, I guess, why is that, Jeff? I don't know. Might be like one of my favorite <laughs> lead men of all time. <laughs> singing on that with him. That might be part of it. But no, I, surprisingly, uh, my wife is a big indie and just generic pop fan in, in general and she it's a weird combination yeah well that's that's the two things that she likes the most you know like some people like i like metal and new wave that's a weird combination so we we actually generally when somebody starts playing me without you in my household it's actually my wife which is interesting because it's normally sunny day is the closest that she'll get to stuff that i'll generally listen to and then we both have a shared love uh, of a a band from Louisiana called Better Than Ezra that I know they got a couple of, you know, like singles from the 90s, but they're actually way better than the stuff that you hear on the radio, which is that sometimes that's very hard to explain to people because I, I try telling people the same thing with with Blind Melon. I'm like, dude, they were way, 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 way better <laughs> than the No Rain. That's like the worst song they've ever recorded. I was like, just listen to this stuff, man. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't listen to them as much. Especially, they, she really likes the the, uh, the newer stuff more. But uh, I really, they really wouldn't be played in the house without my wife. And I'm kind of happy that she does uh, make me switch gears every once in a while because she can't handle like straight up like grindcore 24/7 like I can. I think being predominantly a heavy music fan, me without you was always kind of a guilty pleasure for me. The truth is, though, is I listen to like tons of emo, <laughs> like when I don't get you know, a bit like back then I didn't have a platform. So like nobody like knew about it. So it was fine. Uh, we all though, knew. Even though a lot of the emo that I listened to was like more on the harder side. I remember like being like, oh, yeah, I've been listening to this band. And then they're like, this just sounds like grindcore. I'm like, it's not really grindcore, though. It's like it's screamo and you know, whatever. But uh, what's interesting about this record is that it was one of the first positive sounding records that I liked. Because normally heavy music fans tend to defer to the more negative sounding stuff. 
the more pain-filled stuff or whatever. And this was like really positive and had kind of like cheesy like storybook type of elements to it, like with the yellow spider, yellow leaf. And I remember once I had kids, like my kids started gravitating towards those type of songs and 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 you know singing them to the cell to themselves and stuff. And uh, that was just a weird element to the band that I never thought that I was going to enjoy. But once they just put it out there, it took a band like Me Without You for me to kind of like expand a little bit and be like, okay, I actually kind of dig this and I like the positive vibe and I like the way it makes me feel. Whereas before I would have been much more critical of it for not being heavy or uh, not sounding like the old albums. 2009, it's all crazy. It's all false. It's all a dream. It's all right. You're not kidding. Wow, what a mind fuck. <laughs> Is this the last album of the Me Without You the fans are wishing for every day? No. No. And I say that only because this was a one-off. And it's a very clear when you hear the album after this that this was a one-off. This was a huge middle finger to anybody that thought that they had an idea of what the next album was going to sound like. Even though if you listen to Brother Sister, you can see the breadcrumb trail. Yes, it's there. Leading to this. Uh, but Brother Sister still had enough of that Catch for Us the Foxes sound in it to where, you know, you could just kind of ignore it or maybe not see it or overlook it. This record is unabashedly the strangest record that they have out. And even the title of it, it's all crazy, it's all false, it's all a dream, it's all right, perfectly describes how I felt about this album at different stages as I listened to it. Yeah, no, I, uh, when this record came out, I had a, a monthly music column I would write and I wrote a review. Um, and, and that's one of the things I said. It's like a four step guide to how fans would react to the record. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the other thing I, I, I wrote is I said, every band has released an album that feels like your girlfriend is cheating on you. But this <laughs> record is like finding out God doesn't exist. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, <laughs> that's awesome oh that's amazing oh god we gotta we gotta we gotta link that column man that's, that's quotable <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I get a copy of that please yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah i'm gonna need screenshots because oh god that's just that's fantastic bust out your favorite website the wayback machine oh my god i've tried multiple times through the this week to get through this in one shot Man, I can't do it. This one is like, uh, was just too far off the deep end for me personally. And the frustrating thing is, is that uh, my wife loves this one. And I'm like, no, I don't. Mine too. Really? Okay. Yeah. My kids love it too. Even though some of the lyrics are a little questionable. Yeah. The uh, I think the, it was the, uh, the I'm Kermit the Frog hard R kind of sound and a lot of the a lot of the singing in this one listen to the listen to the r's that he has it's like this just just listen to it, it when, it's kind of hard not to hear it once you hear that it, you, all you'll hear is like the hard r's over and over again don't ruin this for me jeff okay <laughs> well th- i'm hypercritical of this one as compared to the rest so that's probably just me nitpicking and just being annoyed because it was just like i normally i'm the dude that's like yes they did something like way off the deep end in the other direction nobody saw it coming other than maybe like we said a couple of uh breadcrumbs you know but it just didn't strike me it, it didn't hit me in the feels like i was hoping it would 
I was really, really disappointed in this one personally. But that's give it a few years. The thing is, we should have seen it coming from a because they announced before they recorded it that they were recording with Daniel Smith from Danielson. Yeah, and that, that's true. That's been a tip that like this is going to be. I was just like, oh, I'd be curious to see what he does with their sound. Not they're going to him for a sound, right. and and that's what it was. Yeah, you're not wrong at all about that because, and again, if I'd been paying more attention. I would have realized that was coming. And if I had paid more attention to brother sister, I would have seen this coming, but I just didn't for whatever reason. And because when I first heard this album, I didn't listen to any of the songs off of it prior to like any of the songs they released. Cause I, I got that way. Cause I was like me without you is not going to let me down. They got my back. This is fine. Buy the album, take it home, listen to it. I listened to the entire thing two times. <laughs> And I was just like, fuck this band. <laughs> and, like, and, you know, I, I was very upset because I was like, what the hell is this? I was a little bit more, um, I was a little bit more youth group kid still. Like there were still elements of that lingering in me. And so like, I was like pissed off that at the end of the song, they were like, Allah, 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 Allah. <laughs> and like, I was like, what the fuck is this? You're supposed to be a Christian rock band. You guys are supposed to validate me. God damn it. Um, <laughs> and uh, this record is not, is not for people like that. And even really brother, sister, like if you're really paying attention, y- y- you'll find out that me without you has never been there to validate you. No, I was very upset. And then I kept listening to it. My wife happened to hear it when I was listening to my second playthrough, and she one day is all like, oh, listen to that. Let's listen to that album that has that song about the fox and the cookie and all that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess. You know, so we, we put it in, and we ended, up, we ended up taking a trip to Louisville because her grandma had died. And we listened to that record probably eight or nine times because we only took, like, two records of it because we were idiots. We, we, I had that. I was like Emery's uh, I'm Only a Man and um, Me Without You. It's all crazy. It's all false. And then I had my City of the Caterpillar, but our City of Caterpillar, she didn't want to listen to that. Um, so that's all we listened to was Me Without You pretty much the entire time. And it was great by the end of it. I don't know if I got beat down or if it was Stockholm Syndrome or, or what it was, but I started... <laughs> I started getting a lot more meaning out of the songs. Like, a lot of them had, like, the fox, the crow, and the cookie is, like, Aesop's fables. Uh, yeah. You, like, directly lift it out of. Yeah, plus plus that has, has like, just great lines in it yeah. of, of song work at the end. I, I got a walnut brownie brain, molasses in my veins, my powdered sugar, funnel cake, cocaine. I mean, that's, that's those are great lyrics. Yeah, absolutely. It was the first one, too, when I was listening to this with the kids, and I was like, don't listen to that song. He talks about cocaine. And I was like, he's not talking about cocaine. He's not like, oh, my God, check out this fucking cocaine. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it's very descriptive. Like, the way he was able to just paint pictures with what he says in that yeah. style was just absolutely killer. And so that song was the first grower on me for sure. And I got really into um, Timothy Hay, strangely enough, because that record, again, is like one of the, the horses, hay beneath our bed. Or no, I don't know if that's the right one. That's the carrot and the string. Timothy yeah. Hay was about, like, the animals 
Like my wife used to be like, why do the animals not want to eat the Timothy hay? Because the Timothy hay is good for them. And I was like, well, I think it's an allegory about how human beings say that they need God. And then when God gives them what they want, they don't want it. Uh, I think that's, that's like the message of it. Uh, but I can't be sure because Aaron Weiss is just a very unique individual. So it's really hard for me sometimes to understand exactly what he's trying to tell me. Uh, especially whenever everything's gone really off the deep end as far as metaphor goes. And uh, you, you basically, my rec- my wife refers to this album as the animal album. Like every song is about animals. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Timothy Hay, I, th- I think what changed my perspective on this record was seeing them play Timothy Hay and uh, the King Beetle live and how well they translated into their newer sets live and how the songs did build and like there's still a formula in some of those songs that is similar to what they used to do um it's just in a different you know packaging but i think they're like yeah the king beetle on the coconut estate is is another like really great story song uh it kind of enters into that uh dave bazam pedro the lion like telling a story uh type of lyrics uh, that i really like and appreciate too yeah, I love that song. Some of my favorite lyrics from that album are on that song, where he's like, "The Beatles King slams down his fist. Your flowery description's no better than his. We asked for the great light, and you bring us this. We didn't ask what it seems like, or we asked yeah. what it is. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that that really was cool. And it gets weird, you know, where like the Beatle King flies directly into the blaze himself, and but it's a really cool story, and it's fun because like. If you're just passively listening, that was one of the songs that kind of got me in the subconscious where you're just kind of passively listening, but then you start catching on to the story and you're following it. And it's really cool, but it's one of those like you get you get about six tracks into this album and you're like, what band is this again? Because it, it doesn't really sound like me without you in the traditional sense. He doesn't really do his spoken word vocal very much on this record. It's almost non-existent. It's it's actually only on like one song, which was the um, which I remember really pissed me off because it was like uh, what was that song? It was like Bullet to Binary Part Two, and how like that. I mean, you can't just call that song Bullet to Binary Part Two. Like you can't. I mean, they just fucking did it. So what do I know? But like, (laughs) it's just it blew my mind because I was like, you can't just make a song about potatoes and vegetables and shit you know like compared to one of your like landmark songs for a lot of people the first me without you song that they ever heard and how like just the only similarity between it and the original is the let us die let us die and then but it's like it's done in such a weird way and that song still to a certain extent doesn't hit me in a good way because of that like i Mm -hmm. feel like it was kind of a misstep you mentioned that we should have seen the writing on the wall because of who the producer was for this album. It's All Crazy, It's All False is one of the records I cited when I found out that Brandon Urie was going to work with Jake Sinclair on the Death of a Bachelor album for Panic at the Disco. I said, so now Panic at the Disco is just flat out going to sound like Fallout Boy. <laughs> Why do you say that, Joe? Well, Jake Sinclair's producing it. He doesn't know how to do anything else. It didn't say it was bad. <laughs> I love this album in the context of Me Without You. By itself, it's just fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said it was a mindfuck. I was just like, holy shit. What the fuck is this? 
And it wasn't that it's a bad thing. It was just, okay, for me, maybe it was a bad thing. But I know for most everybody else, it really wasn't a bad thing. But it was just so bizarre for me. And it's it's the only album of theirs that I can't listen from cover to cover uh, comfortably. This one is a real struggle for me. And it's, uh, I kind of look at it as like the, uh, like one of my favorite artists is the Beatles, and they've done stuff like that too. You're just like, what the fuck happened? Well, they were actually on drugs. Yes, true. But they had the, you know, the whole, you know, religious awakening and all that kind of shit that went down with them too. You know, even Sunday Day did with uh, How It Feels was the same way when Jeremy Enoch came back from, I think it was, was it India that he discovered all that music and actually incorporated like music that was hundreds of years old into what they were uh, what they were recording because fans didn't just want like emotional rock music oh, they was, wanted all that extra shit right oh cause it was money man it was golden <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of the weird lyrics you've been doing that so there's a song called um, I don't know some shit about a camel no Fig with a bellyache. Or that's, I got the camel because you start to lose like a camel, uh, took a ship across the lake or something. And the, that song has this like really weird sexual <laughs> thing in it where he's like, the dogs below our waist aroused while hugging on the pretty gals. It came so much to my surprise it happening when I hugged the guys. I'm just like, how the fuck did that get past tooth and nail? <laughs> and, uh, Apparently, he was required to write some really detailed explanation uh, to it. But it's such a weird record because I say that I let my kids listen to it, but like I have to remove a couple of songs because the lyrical content isn't like safe. You know, definitely not safe for kids. Might be yeah. safe for work, but you know, it's uh, it's it's weird that he goes places even still that most bands that he was peers with would not have gone. I mean, it took it took Norma Jean how many albums to say fuck on a record? And they still haven't said it as far as I'm yeah. concerned. <laughs> so it's just funny that Me Without You has always just been kind of this open book type of band that I think a lot of their fans had an expectation of them. So I think whatever they throw out the like Allah, Allah, Allah song at the end probably pissed off a lot of the Christian music demographic uh, that had heard that had heard Me Without You and been with them the whole time. And even though, like, there's nothing technically wrong with the song, I just think that saying Allah, you know, during that time in, you know, Christianity would have been just like a, like a knee-jerk reaction type of, type of word. And so, because even, even I had it, and even when that album came out, I wasn't, like, super religious, but it still was like, huh, that's, that's weird. I thought these guys were Christians, you know. Um, spoke English. Even though they didn't really. English. Even though they never really said that. I mean, Aaron said in an interview one time when they're like, are you guys a Christian? Are you guys Christians? And Aaron said something along the lines of like, well, I don't think that music is Christian or not Christian. He goes, but, you know, us ourselves, you know, we, tr- we try to serve God as good as we can. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is such a non-committal answer, but probably the honest answer. Yeah. And so I always respected that about them. Well, yeah, I think this record was largely polarizing. For people and I got into it again because I would go back to it I'd go away from it I'd go back to it and I just went back and forth so much that eventually I just arrived at it's okay it's different but I'm alright with it whenever I heard 
February 1878, I was immediately relieved. The glory of crowdfunding in 2012. Did they crowdfund this? This album was crowdfunded. This is back when the scam wasn't necessarily common knowledge. And when I say scam, I mean crowdfunding was a thing, but the people that were doing it, most of them had a foothold already. They already had a fan base. And it came down to, we want to do this thing our way. We don't want to rely on a record label. We need your help. And if you help us, we will give you what you asked for. And 10 Stories starts off exactly the way I think the majority of the fans wanted it to. Not only are we doing a callback, which is something Me Without You does very well, but it's classic Me Without You. It's got the upfront vocals, the grooves in the background, and it drops out when it needs to. It's the catch for us, the foxes, Me Without You. That's what you wanted, right? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't fund this because I didn't know it was crowdfunded. Maybe if I did, my name would be in the liner notes or some shit. But <laughs> the thing is, is that I didn't listen to any of the songs off of It's All Crazy beforehand. I nev- definitely never made that mistake again. <laughs> so I listened to this album, or I listened to the track they released off this album. And I was like, okay, this might be okay. And it was. This is my favorite Me Without You album. Which is weird because of how lyrically similar it is to It's All Crazy. (laughs) It's an animal album. The song is literally about circus animals. Or the album is literally about circus animals. And like their journey after like the train crashed. And that's really interesting to me because they were able to tell this type of story using the old sound for the most part. It doesn't sound like Catch for Us the Foxes the whole way through. But it's enough of an introduction with that first song to where you're on board. And they definitely go more like I would say that it has a little bit more of the brother sister sound in it. Not as much that it's all crazy. But I think it's all crazy opened up the door for them to be able to try anything on a song and people generally be okay with it. Yeah, I thought they did. Um, I think they've always kind of done what they wanted to do anyway. And I think that I've, I've had a lot of respect for them, even if I wasn't a huge fan of It's All Crazy. Uh, this is the uh, start of the era of their music that I really enjoy. This is probably my second favorite album. Uh, and I, I really just can put this on and relax and, and, and really enjoy it. It's just, uh, I don't know what it does. It's got a really calming effect for me. Uh, it's just super, super easy to listen to, and that's not always been the, that wasn't the case with some of their their earlier material. Uh, this is just uh, kind of like a mellowed out, grown up version, because you know this, some of the same stuff is still there, but it, it, you know, they just grew up. I think that's really what it is. You know, there's that's pretty common with bands. The 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 more albums you put out, the more mellow you get as as time goes on, because that's kind of human nature you, you tend to mellow out and perspectives change and you're looking at things a, a different way but we still get the awesome lyrics i mean that's the best thing about this this uh about this group is 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 aaron and his lyrical abilities 
and his metaphors and allowing you to uh, sit down and think about what he wrote and uh, take it in from, you know, however you want. Because that's the great thing about metaphors is it can be about more than one thing, uh, depending on how you're looking at it. And that's that's always been really fun with them. Yeah, I remember at some point before the record was released, they had said uh, that the new songs were going to sound like Fugazi meets Lou Reed. Um, and and that kind of comes across. It's, yeah, I, when I first heard February 1878, you knew like, okay, they not learned their lesson, or but it's like they had come around. And um, it was almost like the record you would, have expected them to make after brother sister it's way more in that vein of okay if they had gone there and then it's all crazy it still would have been jarring but okay the the ship would have been there it's 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 the rock version of it's all crazy where there's still these post-hardcore elements um you get Haley williams on this record for paramore yeah which i like her she's got a great voice oh yeah it was a good addition, and this record, I agree 100% that this is the record that probably should have followed Brother Sister, and then maybe led to It's All Crazy, but I think in a certain sense as a fan, it was enjoyable to hear them come back to the more rock sound on this one, because it's like, okay, we haven't lost anybody, because you could have put this out before Brother Sister, or after Brother Sister, and then did It's All Crazy, and I think they might have lost people for good. Yeah. There, so w- when they put this out, it's they're acknowledging that hey, we realize you're a fan of our older sound, and we we think that there is value to our older sound, so we're gonna give you a little bit of that on every album from here on out, and that's that's essentially what they did uh, for every album. The, you always have that classic sounding me without you song, yeah, on each of the records after that. It's a very Norma Jean move. Yeah. I'm going to give you a little bit of that thing that you liked on that last record, and then I'm going to do whatever I want. Right, for the next 50 minutes, yeah. But this record, is the reason it's my favorite is because I like that it's kind of a concept record. You know, it follows this idea of basically there's like a circus train, and the elephant, there's an elephant in there that like derails the whole train and allows all the other animals to escape. And like the... The elephant's basically like Jesus, right? Like, I don't know. I, I'm just interpreting that way. But, you know, the elephant ends up like... At one point, they actually end up killing the elephant. Like, they hang the elephant. <laughs> and uh, it's just this crazy thing about, like, you setting people free and sacrifice and people making their own choices and things like that. Like, it's all very, very deep, but told from the perspective of animals that have escaped from a circus train. Can I get away with a Dumbo joke here? Please say no. Please, no. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to get into that. But it's told from an animal perspective, which is very much in line with the it's all crazy idea. So you have that, but you've got, you know, more rock songs. You've got, you know, a little bit more grounded me without you sound on this record. And it all comes together in such a great way because the stuff that I enjoyed about it's all crazy was the deeper metaphors told from the perspective of fables and things like that so you get the stuff that i liked off of it's all crazy and the basic me without you sound all in one and that was kind of the perfect combination for me this is the only one i have on vinyl so oh that should tell you something he doesn't buy something on vinyl unless he he means business 
It's great too. It comes with an actual storybook that you can read along to while you're really? listening. Yeah. I like uh, Aubergine on this. That's probably my favorite song. Aubergine's a cool one. Yeah, I really enjoy that. I listen to that several times. Um, Fox's Dream of the Log Flume deserves special mention because it's another like classic Me Without You type sounding song. It sounds like it could have been on Catch for Us the Foxes, <laughs> especially with Fox. I mean, it's obviously a callback, but... Um, like, what's funny is I didn't realize that before I just said it. I was like, yeah, it's like Catch Us the Foxes, and it's Foxes Dream of the Log Flume. Um, I just had some kind of mental block there that didn't become clear until just now. But that song is him starting to weave his own personal stories back into it. Because up to this point, I mean, ever since Brother Sister, it's been all metaphor. And now, all of a sudden, he's talking about, like, real-life experiences again. And so you definitely get that sense of Catch Us the Foxes. And has one of my favorite Me Without You lyrics of all time. Where he's like, we sat quite as monks on a Ferris wheel. And uh, I asked her if she had this recurring fantasy where you're pushing little kids from the top of the rides. And she shook her head no. And I said, oh, neither do I. <laughs> I like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, that's it's such a great line. The way that song really builds, it's got that like punk rock January 1979 sound to it. Like that, that song is just a great achievement in being like a reestablishment of like me without you was still able to give you the experience that you've always gotten from them. And it just, yeah. it's, it's, it's just a standout song. There's really nothing else I could say about it. I got to mention, um, Bear's Vision of St. Agnes is one of my favorite songs off of 10 stories because of how fucking downtrodden it, downtrodden it sounds. Like, it is one of the saddest sounding fucking songs like I've ever heard out of me without you. It's about bears. Like, it, but like, they're, um, but like, he talks about it like his brother dying and stuff and it's like, he like whispers, it's like, and when he died, he, you know, you're like, oh my God. And it's just, it's like the saddest song on this record. And with it being very much at the end, like it's the last track before the final song. So the final song is thankfully like very positive, but that song is just like, it, it drags me down through the ditches and every, even whenever I'm still feeling down about shit, I still go back and listen to that song. And that's, that's all I had. Just wanted to mention that one. 2015, Pale Horses. My favorite album. I'm just going to come out and say it. Why is that, Jeff? You piece of shit. Yep, that's probably the biggest reason why, because I'm a piece of shit. I, I always got to be the, uh, you know, the uh, outlier. Have you don't to have it. to be, Jeff, but you choose to be sometimes. <laughs> I feel like out of spite. It's as if you decided ahead of time that whatever the rules were, you weren't going to follow them. Yep, that's that's pretty typical me. I've been that way since I was like twelve. <laughs> well, the joke's on you, Jeff, because I like this album. It's okay, a really good. great album. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I thoroughly, I I enjoyed myself. Like whenever I was going back and listening through, because uh, I I always go through and listen to the discography uh, in random order and straight through, and then I and I do that a few different times uh, every week. And this is the album that I kept gravitating towards after I've, you know, quote unquote, done my homework. And it was just time to, you know, enjoy it. Man, I love this album. It just, it just, uh, 
hits me right in the feels. I just like the, you know, emotionally what it does to me. It, it's the it's the one that it's less about the lyrics for me. I'm not saying that I'm downplaying lyrics, but the music itself just just struck just struck me the right way when I needed it to. And that sometimes that's a very hard thing to explain to somebody like why do you like something like i don't know i just do and that's kind of like this album it, it it uh it was the right album at the right time for me and i i really have in, in enjoyed listening to it this week and i listened to it way more than would be required to do the discography you know i just was listening to it because i wanted to not because i had to because i had a podcast to do and I think that's probably, as a podcaster that does this type of format, that's probably the biggest compliment that I can pay to an artist is that I'm listening to an album out of your discography again, not because I have to for the podcast, but because I wanted to because I enjoyed listening to it. And that is absolutely how I felt about this album. Anybody else have anything to say? Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to follow that, but... This is a very dark Me Without You album. Oh, shit. No wonder I liked it. It's the darkest they've gone since Catch For Us The Foxes, that's for sure. This is the sequel to the sound of Catch For Us The Foxes. This is That Me Without You. If you liked it, this is for you. This record is plagued with self-doubt. Like, I haven't really experienced a negative Me Without You album since Catch For Us The Foxes, so... With this being as dark as it was, really kind of threw me off guard. I mean, I loved it because it sounded like Me Without You. It had that basic ingredient to it. Almost more so, like this is almost more callback than 10 Stories was, but still sounds new and fresh. But like that, there's a song called Dorothy, which is just like, one of the darkest songs I've ever heard from them where he's like, you know, last night I dreamed I was back in college and like he said he was like ironically um, and I was ironically rebuking Satan, you know, with somebody and then Satan turned to me and <laughs> said, you know, uh, this thing and I, I'm not quoting it word for word, but you know, you can pull lyrics up online on your phone. It's your fault, not my fault. <laughs> um, but it's so dark and so reflective of like kind of a it's like looking at the lens of the past through like a darker lens i guess where you know where his experiences about god and religion and stuff were very positive on like brother sister and on uh it's all crazy this is viewing those years again but in a much darker tone and i thought that that was really interesting because i used to think of me without you as being this like hippie band that you know was like super you know we've got we've got fucking harps on our on our songs and we're, we're happy and all this there's not a whole lot of happiness on this record there's a lot of weird metaphors to like nuclear destruction and like mentioning of like chernobyl and stuff that like aaron's definitely in a dark place on this record and it's one that i wasn't expecting because of the super happy place he was in on on the most previous ones well yeah and uh, like his father had just passed away um, before writing this album and he had gotten married and yeah he does I, I remember him talking about a lot of end times references and it was a lot of 
The thing with these songs, as you said, there's no one theme to any song. It's it's all these different things that he was pulling from kind of mashed together. So there's not like this song is about this thing and this is it's like yeah, this line is about this and this line is about that and it's all interweaved throughout the album. Um, which makes for some super interesting lyrical shifts and changes. Yeah, for certain, because it's more of a string of consciousness, Mm -hmm. which I don't think is intentional, but does place it more in line with the older Me Without You output. It's classic. So this is like like catnip to, to fans of the older stuff because it has that same personal, you know, we're no longer singing songs about vegetables that can talk. And we're no longer talking about like turtles and and bees and beetles and and stuff like that. Like this is like some hardcore shit. Oh, come on, Aaron. Where's a song about horses? That'll make you feel better. I got excited when the album was called Pale, Pale Horses, horses. <laughs> and they, they had a song called Red Cow, but like none of that shit is like this. Not what you're expecting. I'm <laughs> coming into it, and no, I think and that that's that a, was that's a really good track by the way the red cow oh god yes oh yeah yeah Yeah, one of the best yes and again it gives you like now they're able to call back to their old sound in a way that's really profound and like when you listen to red cow that song doesn't sound like old me without you but sounds like the most me without you song ever um that one as well as d minor also sounds that way and um i mean i can't like to me this is almost like a magnum opus type of release it's not my favorite because I still really enjoyed 10 Stories and that one really stuck with me for a long time. Because you got to understand, I had years of listening to 10 Stories before I got to Pale Horses. And so you grow certain attachments to albums when you're just waiting for the next one to come out. So what do you listen to? You listen to the most recent one over and over and over again. And so that's the only reason why that album edges this one out for me. But this is this was really great, and it's what I wanted. And they absolutely delivered in every sense of the word with dark lyrics, um, kind of a darker tone, but also like again, it's much more mature. These are not dark songs because oh, that chick that I was into doesn't like me. Like this is this is the reflections of like a mature grown up, which is what I tell myself that I am, <laughs> and. Um, the you only know, thing that makes you a grown-up is the fact that you have children, nothing else. Correct, and some of the gray hair. Oh, but some. Yeah, I got a lot of gray. I got <laughs> I'm like a gray beard over here, but the uh the thing about it is that this record delivers on a level that I think a lot of the throwback stuff that they did before didn't really deliver on. And so for this, not only is this a great me without you album, but it's actually one of the first ones that's a good jumping on point for new fans. Yeah. Which which they needed with the the signing to run for cover records and kind of a reintroduction to a more mainstream audience. Yeah, yeah. And so, what do they give them? They give them the me without you treatment. They do. Yeah. They do kind of what made them popular in the first place, but just a more mature version of that. And that's the reason why I like it. I think mature is the best word you can use to describe this album. In 2015, when this came out, I painted this narrative in my head of how does this band that progressively softens their style but intensifies their lyrical delivery keep writing songs about animals and trees and 
how are they illustrating this feeling using this childlike imagery so well and then they become this fucking dark I was watching Akira I was playing a lot of Five Nights at Freddy's and for some reason something clicked in my brain where I said that was the kid this is the kid just grew up put away his toys and walked outside to go get a job life is serious things happened he wasn't in a good place he couldn't be positive but he gave you what he felt is everybody ready for Untitled? I think we are. Yeah. I wasn't ready for the video for the first song they released off of this. Videos? Oh my gosh. What, what is that? Well, it is, it's this thing uh, that we used to do back in the <laughs> 80s when cable television only had 27 channels, I think. MTV and there used was to play music. Great place in the world called MTV. It had astronauts and a flag and it was flashing and it was liquid television and Eon Flux and what the fuck am I even talking about? And do you guys remember the you guys remember the top one hundred they used to do? Back when it mattered? Yes. I used to stay I all fucking day I'd stay in front of the TV and I would record my favorite music videos on a VHS cassette that entire day like I that was like my favorite thing that's what I looked most forward to over Christmas break outside of playing with my shit and my friends do you know what Dan used to love about MTV headbangers ball don't you mean headbangers ball or the hate breed version headbangers ball tonight on headbangers ball all I gotta say is the first hate breed album was pure fire and the rest is kind of (laughs) like not that good it, I mean, it sounds like that, but it's, yeah, <laughs> we're talking good. about me without you. Right, 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 right. Okay. So, Untitled, the the first song they released uh, was, fuck, what's the name of that song? It's like Julia. Julia or Holy to the Lord on the Bells of Horses. I mean, it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, come on. And, yeah. Like, and the music video is Back to the Future meets 1984. Oh, my God. And, and it is it is twisted and, and it fits the dark mood of the song. And it's it's. Amazing. That is a visual I cannot get out of my head. Back to the Future, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, yeah. Like he's like, uh, Aaron. Aaron comes up. He's like, "This is an oldie. At least it's in it's an oldie where we come from." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the guitarist is just like, "All right, guys, uh, watch me for the changes and uh, try to keep up." But the whole time, there's just, like this camera on them. You know, <laughs> like it's 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 giddy. And it actually reminds me of an old YouTube video that was popular, the How It Should Have Ended series, where they mixed uh, Back to the Future with Terminator. <laughs> and uh, in this case, they just mixed Back to the Future with uh, 1984. And the results are just incredible. Mm-hmm. But what struck me about this album the most was that it is a huge departure from Me Without You sound. Like, they still sound like themselves, but, like, it's very... I don't want to say dark because that was the last record. The last record is like a noticeable shade of gray, but this is desperate. Yeah, that's a good word for it. I don't mean desperate in we really got to put something together. We really got to half-ass it and put something out for the fans. This is, I have something to say, but I don't have the capability to put it into words or to put it into music. I'm not doing the best I can. I'm doing what I know how to do to get the point across. Well, it sounds like a very art, like arty indie record. Like they were desperate, right? They were so desperate they couldn't turn Aaron's voice up in the mix. 
Uh, I had to listen to this record very loudly in order to catch a lot of the lyrics. And uh, that was kind of a disappointment for me. But as far as the way the album sounds overall and the way it makes me feel, it's very spot on. And it's actually, it comes across as super dark because the other album I was listening to when this came out was the new May album. And so it was a little contrasting, you know, as far as, as far as theme goes. But uh, I like how much more guitar centric this album is. It's not that they didn't have like amazing guitar on, on like older songs, but like, or on older albums, but this album is much more of an instrumentally focused record. Whereas on all the records prior to this, the focus was on Aaron. Well, I think that's part of the reason why they turned him down in the mix. Yeah. It's because they, they weren't looking Fuck for you. Him. We're going to go do our thing over here, okay? Yeah. I just think they... I think it's just, you know, kind of like the evolution of what they like to do. You know, you can still tell it's me without you, but they're doing something different. And that's kind of... That's kind of what you... Ex- what you hope and expect out of, out of a, a good band is that you can always tell that it's them but at the same time they're doing something different and uh, that's definitely me without you to a T you can always you always know it's them but sometimes you're wondering what the heck they're doing and uh, that's not always a bad thing yeah I think with this record maybe it's because the vocals are so low in the mix or maybe it's because there feels like there's an urgency to the songs that the longer the record goes it's it's hard to just listen to like you feel like you just want to sit down and concentrate and have the lyric booklet out it's tedious isn't the right word but it's like it's like you have to be committed to listening to this record you can't just like the other records all of them you could just put them on and they're all enjoyable in their varying degrees and this one is like this is a record to sit down and focus on i do i i agree with you on that and that's Maybe that's probably uh, one of my challenges is that I, I'm generally, this is the time of the week I actually get to sit down is <laughs> doing, <Yeah. laughs> doing the podcast. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of sit down moments but outside of that. So whenever I admit, and I think that's one of the other reasons why uh, I tend not to focus on lyrics as much is because I, I'm always go, 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 go. So it's really hard to be doing like, five things while listening to something and try to interpret lyrics while doing those things. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I know. All week I was sending him fucking like giant blocks Oh my of god, it was hilarious. text messages and stuff. I'm like, like I don't need to learn these lyrics. Dan's texting them all to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's my favorite part of me without you is the lyrics. And Oh yeah. yeah, and I'm not saying that I didn't but this was the first time that I was like, he is so down in the mix that I'm actually having to stop in, like, like you said, you know, I'm gonna have to read along to see what's going on because always before it was like, the dude's fucking like shouting at me like he's my dad. I know exactly what the dude is saying, you know. It, and and now, and that's only just the first first few albums that are like that. But now it's like, uh, okay, it, this dude is down in the dumps and I can't hear what the hell he's saying. Right, he's still shouting with you, but you can't tell what he's trying to communicate. Yeah, they're they're asking you to focus. Yes, and I I just uh, that's not always the easiest thing for me to do with lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I mean this this record is kind of jarring for me because it's a little different. I liked the path that they were on with Pale Horses, and there's nothing wrong with this record, but it's definitely going to take a couple of 
years for me to really get into the nitty gritty and, and like pound it out. There are certain bands where we can listen to their whole discography in a week and really absorb everything that was going on. But Me Without You is just not one of those bands. No. You really have to take the time and you really have to you have to really like dig into it and actually pay attention to what's going on to really get a good idea of what the band has to say. And that's one of my favorite things about them is that they're a thinking man's band. Yeah, I was going to say intellectual. Yeah. It, yeah. It, and that and that's enjoyable. You know, the fact that they taking this these uh, spiritual perspectives but making you think about it at the same time. They're just not throwing stuff out there because quote unquote Jesus told them so <laughs> or the Christian label told them so. You making so. fun of Josh Gogan again? <laughs> so and, and Jesus the, told me to just quit the band. I don't know. And that's the reason I think that's one of the um, reasons why people actually, you know, that are into me without you, you know, that's part of the appeal is that it it makes you think. His lyrics are so uh, uncanny and just fantastic that uh you don't even you can be thinking about the band and thinking about the songs after you're done listening to to the song uh because that's how it strikes you and, and that's truthfully in today's music that's pretty unusual uh <clears throat> most lyrics nowadays are throwaway you know my girlfriend dumped me i'm gonna fuck that bitch my truck broke down i mean there's a lot of bullshit songs out there and there's not a lot of deep and heavy lyrical content uh, that is popular. And uh, thankfully there are bands that are like me without you. And that might be the other reason why I don't pay attention to lyrics so much. I've just gotten so damn desensitized. I just don't even give a fuck about lyrics anymore. So when a band comes along that actually has something to say and has, you know, a way of making their listeners think about something, uh, when the song is finished, uh, that's pretty profound, and, and that's one of the reasons why this is such a cool band. <laughs> would that be your final thought? Yeah, that would absolutely be my final thought, because that's really what I feel about them. Dan, what about you? I think Me Without You is a band that, if you haven't checked them out, I mean, what the fuck are we even doing here? But I think that if you haven't checked them out, you should obviously go back and listen. But they're a band that's going to make you think they're a band that's going to make you pay attention and even if you don't like everywhere they go in their journey I don't think that makes their journey any less profound so they're definitely the type of band that if you're if you've got some kind of weird fetish for a hardcore or stuff that's overly aggressive it may not be your cup of tea but I think you should check it out anyway because they changed my mind on on what hard-hitting, impacting lyrics can be in a band and how they can balance that out with a sound that might actually make you feel kind of good when you're done listening to it. And I don't really see that in a lot of the bands that I listen to. I don't always feel good when I'm done, but with Me Without You, I always feel good. Brian Patton, final thoughts on Me Without You. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought their first three records are, are perfect. It's it's such a great way to start your discography and just three fantastic uh, full lengths. Uh, if I had to describe them in a word, it'd be euphoric, right? They're they're joyful and like hard hitting, um, and then and then they just evolved and and there's a poetic side and a, a darker side and yeah, that maturity um, that comes with age. 
has really shown through. And, and they're still making great music, and I hope they continue to for a while. If you think Me Without You is a band you can define and enjoy until the end of time, you're half right. You will enjoy Me Without You, but they're going to decide how they want to be presented and how they want to sound. I've never heard so many songs about happy subjects be so dark. And even the songs and the records that I don't like that much, I still listen to them because it's me without you. It's one of the heaviest bands you will ever listen to. And they definitely don't follow the definition to get that far. Jeff, what's your album of the week? I mentioned uh, a band earlier. Uh, since we're not doing metal this week, so to speak, I decided I was going to do a recommendation that's not metal, and it's going to be Soup by Blind Melon. Toes Across the Floor is one of my all-time favorite songs, so definitely check it out. Shannon Hoon has just an ethereal quality to his vocals. He's like the male Janis Joplin when it comes to that type of vocal style. So the, the dude is a freaking genius. I'd wish that uh, drugs hadn't taken him from us so early. Dan, what about you? Uh, I went back to some like old At The Drive-In stuff, so I've been listening to In Casino Out by At The Drive-In. Just seemed appropriate for what all the other stuff I was listening to. Why is their hearts coming out of uh, Dan's crotch on the screen? I don't know. <laughs> Look at that, Joe. Let's cover that up. Huh? <laughs> Can we cover that? No. All right, so there's hearts coming out of my that's something that we've experienced now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Brian, what about you? The new Pedro the Lion record, Phoenix. Um, I've really been sitting with that one a lot. Uh, Dave's written a great record. Um, getting back to his rock roots and uh, more thematic uh, lyrics about growing up in his childhood. And uh, Yeah. I definitely uh, need to check that out. It's on my listen to list, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. When I think about artsy bands that change the way they sound and you just have to deal with it, I think of Alice Cooper. So I'm listening to Hey Stupid all week when I'm not listening to me without you. Hey, stupid. Hey, stupid. How come you're not listening to me without you all week? Because sometimes, Jeff, love is a loaded gun. That's what we fucking did all week. <laughs> <laughs> I had a great time, though. I, yeah, know. I really did. I And I wasn't expecting expecting because uh there's lots of plays of it's all crazy in my house and i was like okay <laughs> no and that's kind of what I've, i started to as time went on i just associated that album with them more and more and i'm like and when i went back to listen i was like okay yeah there was a reason why that i liked them before that album came out and there's a reason why i liked them after and uh yeah pale horse is just that's what i'm be listening to on the way home then i go home i'm listening to some more i really really love that album so in case you guys didn't know, uh, Brian has his own podcast called As the Story Grows, and uh, they talk about a lot, or they talk to a lot of influential artists. So if you're into stuff like Me Without You, you can definitely hear some stories and check out a lot of really cool bands uh, based on the artists that he talks to on the on the podcast. And uh, it's one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, As the Story Grows is the reason I got into podcasting, so uh, it's definitely worth your time. And uh, where can people find you online, Brian? Is it uh, asthestorygrows.com still? or Asthestorygrows.com, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
as the story grows the handle for all of those that's Perfect. awesome being able to have like the same thing across all platforms that's awesome Cornhub.com slash <laughs> as the story grows. Yeah. Ooh, Not- perfect. That could be interesting. <laughs> well, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us about me without you. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, if this has been enjoyable for you, we will have you back to talk about other bands. Yeah, this was a great awesome. change of pace. Yeah. Super happy. I, I'm being serious. I, I, I like being able to switch it up, even though I say I'm like, like grind grindcore 24 7 that's just you know me being macho and being a dumbass because i'm really all like sensitive and and like all gooey inside and on that note this has been episode 103 of discography discussion thank you for listening you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at discuss metal subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts including google play itunes and stitcher Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Ryan Patton and As the Story Grows can be found online at AsTheStoryGrows.com and across all social media platforms. I got that right, didn't I? Yep. Give me your money.